Okay. So we are starting today, Friday's portion, with continuing these beautiful, beautiful blessings that God is giving the Jewish people. There are very few Rashi's here. There's really only one we're going to do on these words, and then we'll go into the next section. I'll just be reading these beautiful verses of all the blessings God will give us for listening to his voice. God shall cause your enemies who rise up against you to be struck down before you. On one road they will go out toward you, and on seven roads they will flee from before you. Rashi explains that this is the way of people who are panicking to escape. They just scatter in all directions. Meaning, Rashi is explaining here why the flight of the enemy on seven roads is a blessing. It's a sign of the enemy's panic. Next verse, God will command a blessing for you in your storehouses and your every undertaking. He'll bless you in the land that God gives you. Next verse, God will confirm you for himself as a holy people as he swore to you, if you observe the commandments of God and go in his ways. Next verse, this is a famous verse, then all the peoples of the earth will see that the name of God is proclaimed over you and they will revere you. Next, God shall give you bountiful goodness and the fruits of your womb and the fruits of your animals and the fruits of your ground and the ground that God swore to your forefathers to give you. Next verse, God shall open up for you his storehouse of goodness, the heaven, to provide rain for your land in its time and to bless all your handiwork. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Next verse, God shall place you as a head, not as a tail. You shall be only above, you should not be below, if you listen to the commandments of God that I command you today to keep and to perform. Next verse, and you do not turn away from any of the words I command you this day, right or left, to follow the gods of others to worship them. So this was the conclusion of actually 14 verses, because we started this yesterday, of beautiful blessings for listening to God. And now we're going to speak of the other side of the coin. Meaning this Torah portion began with a very specific commandment of the first fruits, Bikurim, and then goes into these overarching themes of comprehensive treaties, promises, bonds, covenants between us and God. In essence, the first commandment of the portion, first fruits, is really reflective of our relationship to God because we are God's first fruits. And therefore, the rest of the portion discusses the generalities of the broad strokes of our relationship with God. So here we have 14 verses of all the blessings when we listen. And now, unfortunately, we begin 98 curses if we don't. There are two times in the Torah where we see these curses. In the portion of the Hukosai, which is always read in juxtaposition to the holiday of Shavuos, receiving of the Torah, in our portion of Kisava, which is being read in juxtaposition to the holiday of Rosh Hashanah. But before Shavuot, when we receive the Torah, we once again receive the Torah and renew our commitment to Torah. We're reminded of this. And also now, as we enter into the new year, as we enter into the days of judgment and awe, we're reminded of these warnings, which is why this portion is long, because we don't want to split this over two readings. We do it in one shot. And if you are in synagogue, the reader will read this in a low voice. We don't really want to emphasize these words. We're not told here actually what the Jews did wrong or would do wrong to deserve this. In the Bukhosai portion that we read before Shavuos, we are first enumerated with seven crimes, seven sins of the Jews, for which they will receive seven punishments. 
And if they don't repent, another seven. And if they don't repent, another seven. And that's how it becomes ultimately 49, seven times seven. Here we're not told anything specific. The only thing we have is one verse in the middle where it says, because you didn't serve me with joy and a glad heart when you had everything. From which we actually learn how important it is not just to serve God, but to serve God with joy. So we're up to verse 15. But it will be that if you do not listen to the voice of God to keep and perform all his commandments and all his decrees I command you today, and all these curses will come upon you and overtake it, overtake you. A curse shall you be in the city, a curse shall you be in the field. A curse will be your fruit basket and your kneading bowl. Notice these are all the opposites of what we said yesterday and today. A curse will be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, offspring of your cattle and the herds of your flocks. A curse shall you be when you come in, and a curse shall you be when you go out. God will send in your midst degeneration, confusion, and worry. Your every undertaking that you do until you are destroyed, until you are quickly annihilated because of the evil of your deeds or have forsake, for having forsaken me. Rashi explains when it says degeneration, it means uh, deficiency. And then, next word is mahuma, which Rashi explains means confusion, like the sound of panic. Next verse, 22. God will strike you with wasting away and with fever and with fiery fever and with parching and with the sword and with blasting and with withering and they will pursue you until you're annihilated. So Rashi explains all these different terms which are all basically different types of illnesses. With wasting away, shachafes is a disease where your flesh wears away and becomes swollen. Kadachas, with fever, Rashi explains that it's like a fire, a heat burning inside, that when someone's very ill, they have this very great heat. The lechus is like a fiery fever, which means it's even higher than the normal fever. Charchor, parching, means an illness that heats you up inside. You're always thirsting. You feel like scorched. Charchor is with a sword, because Rashi explains invading armies will come against us. As versus other commentators that say cherev is like the word chorev, which means heat. Rashi translates it literally as a sword, as armies. Shidafon, irakon, blasting and with withering. These are types of diseases on the produce. So shidafon means the easterly wind, which is burning or parching the, the produce. Yurakon is a withering. Raj explains it means it dries out, becomes pale and yellow until you're annihilated. Rashi translates this according to Uncleus that you will be vanished. You will be completely gone. Next verse. Your heavens that are over your head will be copper and the land that is beneath you will be iron. Rashi explains that these curses are actually connecting to the curses that God gave us in the portion of the Chukosai that I said we read before Shavuos. Now, from God, which were the ones there, the 49, because they're from God, they're more intense here. Moses, when he's giving it, is obviously trying to be more kind instead of at, to, as kind as he can be within curses. So one thing he does to make them more kind is he says them all in the singular, what God said them in the plural. Meaning saying them in the singular implies they don't have to affect the whole nation. 
in Mechukosai, they're said in the plural, implying everyone will suffer. In the singular, it implies more the sinners will suffer. Of course, if other Jews are suffering, we're also suffering. And here in this specific curse, Rafi takes that length to explain how this one of Moses, which is very, very similar to what God said in Bechukosai, but is much milder. So comparing the two, what Moses is saying here very specifically is that your heavens are going to be copper and your land is going to be iron. The curse that God gave is exactly the opposite, that your heavens will be iron and your earth will be copper. What's the difference between copper and iron? So Rashi explains that iron doesn't sweat. It doesn't begin any moisture. So if God is saying your heavens are iron, it means absolutely no water is going to come at all. Um, Moses is saying instead the earth will be iron, so the earth won't sweat. Copper does sweat, meaning there's a condensation of moisture on copper. So when God says that your heavens will be iron and your earth copper, the heavens will be iron, there'll be absolutely no moisture at all, complete drought. And the earth copper, it'll sweat, meaning the condensation, the moisture on the earth will actually cause whatever is growing to rot from the moisture, just as if you had a potato in a wet bag. The bag was a little wet, and you leave it there for a few days. That whole potato is going to rot from the moisture in it. So therefore, nothing's coming from the heavens. And from the earth, a little bit is going to come, which is bad, because it will cause whatever's there to rot. Moses said it exactly opposite. The heavens will be copper, so it will sweat a little, meaning a tiny bit of moisture will come, which is good, at least it's some water. And the land will be iron, it won't sweat at all, so there will be nothing coming to rot the produce that we have. So it's mitigating God's words. So, of course, in the end, it's still implying tremendous drought. The next verse. God will make the rain of your land dust and dirt from the heaven will descend upon you until you are destroyed. What does this mean? The rain will be dust and dirt. So Rashi says what it means is rain's going to fall, but not enough to really water the ground, but it's just enough to make the crops that are there moist. Then wind is going to come. Wind is going to raise the dust, which is still you know, quite dry. It's not anchored to the ground because it's not really water. And this wind is going to cause the dust to settle on the sprouts that are growing. Now, the sprouts, remember, are a little bit moist because a little bit of rain fell. So it will be moist enough that then the wind is going to cause this dust and dirt to stick to the crops and become mud and dry up and cause the sprouts to rot. So it means that little bit of rain we got actually didn't help because it just allowed our, our sprouts to be moist enough to cling to the earth that's going to come on them from this wind and everything's going to become rot. Next verse. God will cause you to be struck down before your enemies. On one road you will go out against him, but on seven roads you will flee before him. You'll be trembling to all the kingdoms of the earth. The, the inverse of what we said before is a blessing. Trembling, so Rashi explains, you're going to be so full of dread and trembling. And actually... 
you're going to be the source of dread and trembling because everyone that hears of your afflictions will tremble and say, oh, no. Punishment should not come upon us. It could come upon these Jews. In other words, the nations aren't trembling because we're frightening. That would be a blessing. The nations aren't trembling because it's so fearful how God punishes as they see how we are being punished. Next verse. Your carcass will be food for every bird of the sky and for the animals of the earth, and nothing will frighten them. Next. God will strike you with the boils of Egypt, with hemorrhoids, with garas, with harrows, of which you cannot be cured. So we explain, Rashi, the boils of Egypt were very severe boils. Of course, we know that Egypt was stricken with a plague of boils. So these boils were moist on the outside and dry on the inside. That's what we're saying specifically, this type of boils. Gerev is another affliction of moist boils, and Heras is an affliction of dry boils. All these different types of skin ailments. Next verse. God will strike you with madness and with blindness and with confounding of the heart. Confounding of the heart, Rashi means, as it means like the clogging of your heart. Next verse. You will grope at noontime as a blind man gropes in the darkness, but you will not succeed on your way. You will only be harried and robbed all the days, and there will be no savior. The Rashi says, Ashuk, harried, means in everything you do, there will always be contention, there will always be quarreling. Next verse, you will betroth a woman, but another man will be with her. You'll build a house, but you'll not dwell in it. You'll plant a vineyard, but you'll not render it edible, meaning not sacred. So on the word Yishgalena, Rashi explains this is like the word Shegel and Pelegesh, a concubine. So in other words, really, the Torah here is using a euphemism, meaning to say Yishgalena, lie down with her, but instead, the euphemism is meaning to be respectful and to use euphemistic language like the language that writers use to say things more nicely as yishkalena, to imply something but not say it. Says you'll plant a vineyard, but you will not techalilenu, which means render it mundane. Meaning when you plant a vineyard, the first three years, you can't eat of a fruit. You can't eat of any fruits in the first three years. And then in the fourth year, you're making it mundane because you're eating it in the fourth year very specifically in a ritual manner, in your shalayim, and then after which it's free to be eaten completely. The next verse, your ox will be slaughtered for your eyes, but you will not eat from it. Your dung will be robbed from you but it will not return to you. Your flock will be given to your enemies and you will have no savior. I remember learning on this verse, if you read it backwards, literally word for word, I mean, it works in the Hebrew probably better than in the English, actually this whole verse is a blessing. Very unusual to be able to read a verse backwards, word for word, and it makes complete sense, and it's a complete blessing. When I read it frontward, it's a curse. The concept being 
that really all of these things here within which there's blessings. We just don't see them. As it says in the famous story of the, sec- the son of the first Rebbe Chabad, the Alta Rebbe, because when he was like nine years old or eight years old, and his father, who usually read the Torah portion, was not in the town that week, so someone else read it. And when he heard the curses, this eight, nine-year-old boy became so ill, so stricken by the horrors, that Yom Kippur, which is about three weeks later, three plus weeks later, his father, the Alter Rebbe, wasn't sure if he should be allowed to fast because he was still so weak from the illness he had from hearing these horrible, horrible curses. The people asked the child, I don't understand, you hear it every, week, every year. What, what happened to you now? You've been hearing this since you were a tiny child coming to synagogue. They said, no, when Father reads it, I don't hear the curses. It sounds different. Meaning, when the Alter Rebbe read these words, as a great tzaddik, he had pulled out their inner dimension. And his young, young child, who was also such a pure and saintly person, could hear the inner dimension. He never heard the outer surface that we're listening to now. When he actually heard it, he was so a sensitive spiritual child. He was so shocked and horrified and sick. These horrors that God was saying what happened to the Jewish people, that he was literally three plus weeks later, it, it was a question if he could fast him before. So we will stop at this point. It continues, but we do 15 minutes. Now we've done 18. But the ideas continue for many more verses. Good job.